Hello and welcome to the Start Your Business podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to discover savvy insights from worldwide leaders in business. We ask them to impart their inspirational stories and advice on the subject of not only starting, but succeeding in business. Hello everyone, thanks for joining me, your host Sylvia Entwistle. In this episode, I talk to Charlie Green, the co-founder and co-CEO of The Office Group, who specialise in flexible office spaces and meeting rooms. Is that right? That's right. Hi. Charlie is here to tell us about some of the developments in the office industry in recent years and how these could and possibly should affect small businesses. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us your time, Charlie. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you tell us a bit about how the office group came about? Yeah, well, we've been going, I think it's our 10th anniversary in a couple of weeks, so we've uh, been going a while now. But we started the business. Um, I had always worked, uh, my background is property. I'm a charter surveyor going back a while. Mm -hmm. And I had worked for uh, property companies that specialize in offices. And we'd sort of been exposed to the the office environment. And I really felt that uh, we wanted to create something that was slightly different that challenged what existed in the market at the time. And the driving force, I think, was really trying to understand what people wanted from their office. So it's sort of coming from the bottom up rather than the top down saying, here's an office building, let's find somebody to fill it. It was trying to actually understand what people really needed. And what what we based that on was what we wanted ourselves. So I co-founded the business with uh, a guy called Ollie Olson, who okay. is still my business partner. And um, and we very much shared a vision of, of what, what do we want from an office as a young business starting out. And... We felt that if we could create something that worked for us, then that would work for a whole lot of other people who would be like-minded and, and seeking the same thing that we felt wasn't really out there. So we, it wasn't trying to create something uh, new. It was just trying to create sort of an office product that was different to everybody else that was out there providing offices and, and sort of challenged the, the industry. Fantastic. Well, um, how did you meet Ollie? Were, have you ever done any business ventures with him before? No, uh, we did. We actually first met on a beach in Thailand in 1995. Lovely. Uh, yeah, he doesn't remember it. But the, uh, and then what happened was we ended up working for the same property company. Uh, and that property company had a serviced office arm and Ollie was on the operations and revenue side of that serviced office company. And I was on the property side looking to buy and, and lease buildings. So we knew each other and we connected there and we got on well. And, uh, we'd often talk about what what we felt was right and what we felt was wrong about the company. And then we just decided, you know, we got a bit frustrated with not really being heard and, and wanted to do Your it ourselves. Thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, can you tell us about what you did before you became a chartered surveyor? Have you always been business minded? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, I've always sort of felt that I wanted to work in, in, in business and, uh, I did the degree that, that uh, uh, was an estate management degree, which was a prerequisite to becoming a charter surveyor. So it's all really leading up to this. Well, it was always property, but I, I always felt that property, the property industry was quite um, rigid in, it, in, its, in its approach to um, particularly marketing and branding. 
So I, I wanted to, I was always looking for the opportunity to, that allowed me to somehow take something from the property industry and layer over it a kind of a, a, a creative approach, a more creative approach. And, and it took me a while, but eventually um, we were able to come up with what the office group and that, that really allowed us to do that. Okay, so what do you mean by uh, creative? How, how can an office space influence the interactivity and, and the creativity of a business? I think it's massive. I think it's so important. You know, we all, we all take our homes. Uh, we all want our homes to be as comfortable as possible. We all want to go to the restaurants that look great and give us good food. And we all, when we go away on holiday, we want to stay in a hotel that, that where we're comfortable and we enjoy it. And yet we spend the majority of our waking hours in an office environment, or many of us do. And yet it seems to be the forgotten sector. And that actually people don't really put that much time and effort and consideration to how an office uh, is designed. Mm. So we said, okay, look, let's 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 address this. Let's look at the design. And we figured out that for us, the design falls into two different sectors. That is, you know, the form, the aesthetic, what it actually looks like, and the function, how it works, and how people use it. And, and those were the two areas that we really focused on when we started the business. Yeah. Behind that, then you've got the other, um, uh, sort of slightly more boring stuff, which is about kind of the flexibility of tenure. You know, how long do people want to really commit to space for? Mm. And what sort of flexibility do they need? So if I'm a small business with, with five people that take an office, do I, am I going to be five people in a year? Am I going to be five people in five years? I've got no idea. Mm. How do I find an environment that allows me to, to kind of flex and grow and shrink and, and do all the things that I need to do as a business without having to worry about the, the kind of the liability of, of finding that office because it is a headache and, and the legals that go with it and the cost that goes with it, trying to secure business rates uh, and, and registering for that, trying to get my internet sorted and, and make sure that it's the right thing, committing to long term and all those things. I need life easy. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's trying to give people, people need an easy life. People want immediacy and they want convenience in every, in every walk of life, really. So, you know, I look at my computer and when I load a web page and, and I'm waiting for five seconds, I'm like, come on, it's, 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 there's this impatience which we all have. Yeah, I think especially a bit more recently. Yeah, I think so. And that's, you know, a lot of this is technology driven. So... You know, our expectations have changed now. We want things quicker. And that comes to actually, you know, every walk of life. So, you know, it might be your remote control on your TV, your computer, but also your office space. You want to get in quick. You want to grow quick. You want to get out quick. Mm. And so I guess the, the three things then, it's sort of the flexibility of getting in and out and, and that fluidity of taking the space the design of the space then falling into both the form of it and the, and the functionality of it. Okay, so what do you think about the differences between the traditional corporate office space and these new forward-thinking office spaces? Well, you know, traditional corporate space, uh, if you look at it from a design point, if you're looking at the form of it first, um, they're, they're, for me, uh, corporate offices are very bland and very uh, vanilla. And um, I guess in one way that's, you know, deliberate, that the, the landlords and employers want space where people just kind of go in and focus on the work. Um, but I think that's, I think it's depressing. I think, you know, to, to go into an office building with suspended ceiling tiles 
uh, and kind of blue stained carpets and, and sort of flimsy walls that sort of rattle around and a kitchen that's in a, that's in a cupboard is a, is a depressing place to be. I'm not going to be a happy person. Forget work. I'm not going to be happy in that environment. Mm. And that has tended to be traditionally what the corporate environment has been. People don't really think about it. You know, natural light is massively important to enjoying your working day. And yet, you know, a lot of these companies have corporate offices, have very deep floor plates where actually the senior partners have beautiful offices on the outside with natural light. But everybody else, which is the majority of the workforce, are in the middle who don't have those windows and are stuck with this artificial lighting. Mm. Do you think that the typical worker has changed now, though? I think that... um Corporates are changing the way that they treat their employees. Yeah, cor- corporates are absolutely. Everybody's realising this, and I think that's the key. So, in, and in fact, in many ways, corporates are leading the change. So, you'll have organisations like Microsoft. Uh, now, you may say, well, they're in the tech sector, so so that's that's logical. But actually, you know, as as if you go to their offices in Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, they have you walk in, and it's, it's very little technology. And the notice board in the in the reception is a blackboard, which is fantastic because it's just making it much more uh, much more homely, much more tangible, and and really not kind of distancing themselves from their employees. Mm. Um, so corporates are leading the way. Macquarie Bank, uh, uh, the Australian bank, are a great example. They've done some phenomenal office developments, but you know of hundreds of thousands of square feet, both in Australia and in London. And and they're trying to encourage this interactivity, this this kind of collaboration where people where people come together. But they also space looks fantastic too. And they were recognized now. Now if the corporates lead it, then it sort of bleeds all the way down through and smaller businesses want that as well. Mm, but surely all these fancy adornments and changes are too expensive for the humble small business. Can they really afford these luxuries? Yeah, I can't. I hear that a lot, and I, I sort of it, it baffles me somewhat because you know a lot of this is about it's not about money. It's about um, it's about imagination, and it's about taking the time to really consider how how space works. Yes, there might be a cost somewhere, but you know you, then you've got to look at the cost benefit. Now you know we say look if you choose. If you really think about paint colors and if you really think about your furniture and how you position your space and how you position people, then that doesn't cost anything. If you want to say, okay, look, I want to have a really generous kitchen because I want a dining table and I want people to sit there and I want them to have that benefit of that space, that is a cost. I accept that because people, you know, that space you could be using for something else. But actually what that does is, 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 improve the quality of life for your employees, which ultimately will improve productivity and the commitment of those employees to, to the business and to you. So I think that they, I think you can't just look at it as a cost, as a financial uh, observation. It's not a cost with a return. This is actually, if there is a cost, there, there are benefits. You may not be able to quantify them in pounds, shillings, and pence, but the benefits are absolutely there. Okay, so you think that's the responsibility of the small business owner? I think it's a responsibility of, uh, I think it goes all the way through. And it's the responsibility of developers uh, who are building these buildings. I think it's the responsibility of landlords who own buildings, who have the opportunity to improve them. And yeah, on the right at the sort of, at the at the um, coal faces, which must be for business owners, small and large. Okay, and uh, let's talk about um, the rise of entrepreneurship. Do you think that 
the job for life is increasingly being replaced by entrepreneurialism and small businesses. Yeah, we see we see a lot of um, small businesses come through. Our, our what we do at the office group is very much targeted at the small business uh, with employees up from one to fifty people. Um, there's a huge amount of activity, and particularly from the creative uh, media and technology sectors, which again is our core market. Technology again is facilitating this because people have the ability to compete with larger, more established companies because they have now they have the same resources. Why do, why is it important to keep up with all the modern developments? I think you've got to be able to deliver presentations and and um, information and present it in the same way that the large corporate who has that back of house facilities have traditionally been able to squash the small business. These guys can, you know, you might be one or two people, but you can actually now present in the same quality and the same volume as everybody else. So you think and with the, the rise of the technology, the technological advancements, there's a more level playing field, would you say? Absolutely. And it's completely allowed that to happen, which has fostered this growth of entrepreneurism and startup businesses. And people, I think, have got a level of confidence as well, because it means that you can start up a business at relatively low cost. You know, we, it's technology and, and it's really your work environment, your office space, and you can get in and you can give it a go. And actually, if it doesn't work, it's okay. You could be on to the next thing. And that's, a, that's an incredible energy then that, that, that starts to, to gain momentum. And it's, it's fantastic. Now, you, you know, not every business that is started is going to be successful, but these businesses will then roll into, you know, as we like to say, stuff happens. <laughs> I watched the Jeremy Kyle show expecting that, you know, it's come to you. It's not going to happen. If you try a business and it fails, that's fine. You can learn a huge amount from that and take it on to the next idea. Yeah. Um, well, why do, why do you think startups, uh, one man bands need to give the impression of a professional office space if they're conducting, for example, meetings with potential clients? I think, you know, if you're working from a bedroom at home, and uh, you're having a Skype conversation or FaceTime conversation and people can see kind of your reading material behind you next to your bed. It's sort of, it, it does uh, lack professionalism. Um, actually, I don't think that's, that's really the point. I think it's more about, it's not people's perception of you as a one-man band or a small business. I think it's what you can gain from being in that office environment with other people who are like-minded who are starting their businesses as well, who might have a different skill set. And actually, you know what you need your, you need your website built for you. And where do you go? Well, actually Tom over there, three desks down, that's what he does. And you can go and chat to him. And that's that collaboration is now becoming a critical element of, of how people work. So we have a, um, a club rooms concept, which is basically an open shared desk. Uh, environment where you can drop and you just grab a desk and you see the same people around different in in the offices and you know it, it, it allows it sparks things to happen hmm, so that's uh, the new sort of phenomenon of club spaces and co-working is that right yeah and i think it's sort of it's the smaller business being able to try and derive the same benefits of working in a larger office environment that the big corporates have so steve jobs is notoriously uh, when he started Pixar and they built their offices, he took out all of the uh, toilets from around the office space and he put them into one 
area, which was by the cafe, so that everybody, and it was a large building with many employees, so everybody who came to use the loo had to walk through the building, which I guess is okay if you're not too desperate, but they had to they had to see other people and they had to meet other people. And he called it the bump factor. Okay. And that's brilliant when you're one organization and you're going to see somebody in, in, in animation or research and you talk to them, you would never have the opportunity to, to, to collide with other than if you were at a work social. This is bringing the work social function to sort of permeate the day. What, what this, this movement now is with co-working is saying, actually, you know, small businesses need that because, you know, it's a very lonely to start a business on your own or with one or two other people. And it's just you guys who are just trying to start this mm. business. You need to feed off other people. You know, we're all social animals. We all, you know, as human beings, we need that interaction. Now, sometimes you might just watch other people mm. and gain encouragement from seeing them do the same things as you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's really important. I think, you know, we need other people. I think it's, you know, we don't want to, none of us want to be lonely. We just, and, and that opportunity then to be in that shared environment is, um, is really exciting. So are you seeing a rise in the popularity of these kind of workspaces as in compared to the traditional solo office? Very much so. We're seeing, we're seeing a big increase in demand for it, uh, from the, from the small businesses, the freelancers, the entrepreneurs. Interestingly, we're also seeing quite, um, quite a significant take up from more corporate demand as well. So locationally, this is, it, it becomes important as well. Um, comes back, I guess, to the immediacy thing and, and the convenience. So people commuting into London, for example, may have a half hour or 45 minute commute into a mainline station. Do they then want a kind of, uh, a 40, another half hour journey on the tube? Or actually, can you, can you position these around London in critical locations that mean that people can just drop in to one of these club rooms and work wherever? Technology again, we're all working on the move. We're all mobile. We've all got tablets or, or laptops that we can just sit down and work. Now, up until recently, the, your mobile office has been the coffee shops and the hotel lobby. So, and that's great. And they'll always have a place and it's relatively good coffee. <laughs> but then when you want to go to the loo and you think, oh, hang on, I, I, I'm desperate for the loo, but I can't leave my laptop because it might get nicked. So <laughs> I can't take my laptop because I'm going to lose my seat. And it's sort of, you know, and actually if you create a work environment that people can drop into, for half an hour or an hour that competes with the coffee shop that's a secure uh, environment that has great Wi-Fi that actually if you need to print something off, you can print something off. Or if you need to book a meeting room because you do need that privacy away from the screaming baby, that's a great facility to have. And How's the coffee? <laughs> you know, the coffee, I think the coffee's good, but, it, you know, it's sort of... <laughs> it's not important really, is it? <laughs> It is, it really is. And it's something that, that we're kind of working on because we think that, uh, it's really important that, um, coffee plays a big role. It's, you know, it's that kind of social glue, uh, that allows people to kind of come together. Now, you know, you could be in one of these workplaces and, and you see somebody that you kind of want to talk to, but you're a bit shy and you haven't really kind of, but actually when you see them go for a coffee and they're at the coffee station, that's your opportunity to go make yourself coffee, strike up a conversation. Coffee is the new water cooler. <laughs> it really is. And it's important to have good coffee, but it's quite difficult to nail. We're working on it. 
Oh, good to hear. Okay, well, what do you see the future of business spaces? What, what does it look like? So I think um, functionally, this is really important because I think the, the space needs to increasingly you'll see spaces that provide a mix of open, semi-private and private areas to work in because, you know, we work differently every day and we work differently from each other and on different days we have different tasks. So one, one day you might need to kind of spend a couple of hours just reading through a, a, a document or, or writing an article and you need to be alone, focused, not disturbed. And other days you want to feed off the energy of being in an open plan and, um, and talk, talking to other people. Giving people a choice, I think, is really important. You know, up until now, we've been too pigeonholed. You're in your office, that's your office, close your door behind you, and that's it. Well, okay, that's fine, but you need more than that. And we, we need to have space beyond the office to work in. And then on top of that, you need, you know, great space that actually you can get away from work, but still be in your workplace. So the kitchens shouldn't be sort of the, the afterthought uh, in that cupboard. The kitchen should be really bright and spacious and have space for you to have a dining table and seats and, and somewhere that it becomes that little kind of hub in, in the place where everybody goes. Um, so I think you'll see more emphasis. I think you'll see a movement away from desks to the extent that the desk will always be there. But on top of that, you'll see other areas that you can work as efficiently in those areas. It's just not your cubicle desk. Mm. So, I, I, I'm, you know, that's the change. And I think also aesthetically, I think people are understanding that actually design is important and people want to be in spaces that look great. And yeah. You could be a firm of actuaries or you could be mind candy. You want space that is good to be in, that makes you feel good when you walk in, that's got high ceilings and natural light that has maybe, you know, as simple as some exposed brick here or there and actually, you know, the doors quite cool and then walnut probably that you get in a lot of cheap corporate offices. Yeah. I want to get onto the subject of green offices. How can an office become greener? You know what I mean by that, just obviously environmentally. Friendly. Yeah, 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 no, I, I do, I do. It's a tough challenge, that. It's a really massive challenge. I think it starts, uh, it, it kind of goes all the way through the scale. So I think it starts on a, on a relatively low level and the mindset of, of everybody in the office that um, you've got to encourage people to switch off their monitors at night and unplug their mobile phone chargers because that saps a lot of them uh, of electricity. Um so I think the mindset has got to shift. Uh, yes, recycling um, stations and buildings is really important. I think the, the responsibility is with, again, landlords and developers because they're the ones who can actually change a building at the outset. Mm. Difficulty is that it's very difficult to see uh, a commercial return on the increased cost. It kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. And so if I spend £10 on, on putting in a, a, an environmental green fee, I'm not going to get an increase in rent of £1. I think that's a very um, very short-sighted view of, of, of it. And actually what we do is we try and be as green as we possibly can. We will spend that extra money, and it is an additional cost. You can't get away from it. 
but we will put in green roofs where we can. We'll put in solar uh, solar panels and PV panels where we can. We'll put in rainwater harvesting because these are big material uh, features that really make a difference. Do you think that um, having a green office available sways the decision of a small business to go to the green or do, do you think it makes no difference? It's just the cheapest. It makes a massive difference. You know, when somebody comes to see our offices, they're going to look at three or four other offices, and you know what? We'll encourage them to do that as well because they haven't made the right decision. And absolutely, you need you need things that are able to set you apart from the competition, that distinguish you. But when somebody's saying, "Right, okay, well, I've looked at these four offices, and which what what what's the one I remember? The one the one I remember is the one with the green roof where I can go up and work because it's got Wi-Fi and it's beautiful trees up on the roof with fantastic views that also kind of deals with thermal insulation and stormwater runoff and biodiversity and all those things which are really relevant and interesting. And the important thing is, so I think I think they want that because they like it because it's a good, positive thing. So why wouldn't, you know, nobody's going to not like it. So, but more than that, these businesses moving into a green building can sort of precariously say, I'm in a green building. So my business is environmentally more aware than my competition because of the office building that I'm in. And we don't charge more for it. It's it's important that we don't get more for it. But what we get from it is people are, are people to say we'll fill a building quicker because of it. So that's a that's a financial benefit. And people will stay with us for longer. And it really makes a difference. So our our approach is half altruistic, let's say for planet, and half commercial business let's mm. to make our business more successful that's great i think that's really in tune with um the attitude now towards the environment i think a lot of people are becoming far more aware and and care more about about what they do in their daily lives and how it affects the environment so that's fantastic that those options are available yeah i think you have to, you know there was it was in danger of going you know when there was a when we all dipped into recession there was danger that there's sort of the the eco awareness went on the back burner, but I think actually it's it's it stayed there. And look, you know, buildings are buildings are difficult. And you know, where you've got a pitched roof, you can't put in a green roof. And and you know, there are limitations, physical limitations you have to deal with. But if you where you have the opportunity, if you can implement those green features, it will really be a, a strong financial benefit and a benefit for everybody. It's a good thing. Fantastic. Well, have you got anything to add, Charlie? I think I've asked all the questions I wanted to. No, I think, you know, I mean, all I'd say is sort of this, this fluidity of, of taking space, this ability to get in and to uh, get out and move and grow and shrink because people can't, don't want to tie into sort of long leases where they're locked in for five years and they can't do anything about it. And if they move, it's a liability. I think the way people take office space is changing and they need that flexibility. Not enough landlords realize it or have the ability to deal with it. But there is a surge now in, in, in providers like ourselves who are providing great offices with a range of services that you can use. But we're really, I think the demand's going to outstrip the supply. I think it, it, this is such a shift people's approach to how they take office space. It's really exciting. It's very interesting and, and really, you know, really important to the success of businesses. Fantastic. So there you have it. I hope our listeners uh, have a good think about 
where they choose to do their business, uh, if it be their startups, SMEs, or even the corporates. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast.